Welcome, everybody, and thanks for joining us on episode 55 of Health Talk with Dr. Kell. I'm Nikki Sterner. Last week in podcast 54, we discussed cancer treatments that are natural, which include anti-cancer diets. This week, we're discussing what are the leading causes of death? Have you ever stopped to think about this? While you might expect some of the top things on the list, such as heart disease and cancer, you may be surprised to hear about number four and number five. Stay tuned to find out more. Welcome, everybody, and thanks for joining us on Health Talk with Dr. Kell. I'm Nikki Sterner, and let's welcome Dr. Kell to the show. Hi, Dr. Kell. Hi, everybody. Hi, Nikki. Today, we're doing podcast number 55, and the topic is, what are the leading causes of death? But before we get into that, let's do the quote of the day. Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. And that's by Thomas Edison. Dr. Cal, what do you think? Another great quote. Because isn't you know, I like that ties into the quitters never win, winners never quit. Don't know who said that, but I try to yeah. think of that one a lot. But uh, you know, it, it's just so easy to give up. And I've given up on many things in my life, and I know I've quit too early many, many times. But I keep trying, and, and those inspirational thoughts keep me going when I get depressed. Yeah, I feel like sometimes you need like a coach or a friend or a parent or somebody to keep you hanging on, you know, in those times. You need somebody to talk you through it. I don't know why I feel like that, but yeah, I think everybody goes through that. I know in acting, a lot of times they say like people have their like biggest break right right when they get to that point of like giving up. So if you can just push through it, a lot of times you'll have your big breakthrough. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and and that's the expectation and hope, right? I mean, I, I think there are some times when we get into something and realize that thing really isn't bringing us any joy or happiness. It's just kind of always, it's like, will the end result bring me satisfaction in some way? Will I feel like I've progressed, improved, or become be a better person because of it? I think those should be your reasoning in deciding what you do in life and why you're doing th what you do, but uh, sometimes we start something and and we quit early because it is too hard. But sometimes it's okay to quit if we discover, hey, this isn't this just isn't a path I want to go down anymore. Not because it's too hard, but, but because it uh, doesn't seem worthwhile. Yeah, it's not as fulfilling anymore sometimes. Yeah, and sometimes we get so discouraged, we we go, oh, this really is not fulfilling. Or even if I finally accomplished it. Um, have you ever worked hard on something, got reached that point of depression and, and, and kept going, finally accomplished it, but yet the work was so significantly difficult when you finally accomplished it, the, <laughs> the, the final relief or excitement you should have for finally doing it is kind of, you, you kind of come out going, let down. Uh, yeah, it's like, wow, I wanted that so bad, and when I finally got it, it wasn't that great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yep. yep. I think we do that a lot in life as well. I think we do. So, <laughs> death. We don't want to be the death mongers. But, dun, dun, dun. yes, because we talked about uh, cancer the past uh, few episodes, uh, I just wanted to go back and probably over the next many episodes, we'll be discussing different things related to the leading causes of death. 
And heart disease is considered the number one cause of death in the United States and appears throughout the world. These statistics I'm going to give today in discussion will be more about what's happening in the United States. They do relate to what's going on in the world, but it's interestingly enough, cancer is the second leading cause of death in the United States. You go to other parts of the world, not, not the case. However, really? conditions and issues related to the heart are still common. And uh, so we'll go over these leading causes, and, I, and I, I'm going to give a, a statistic that you don't find. These statistics today are coming from the National Center for Health Statistics, a uh, CDC-connected website. And in fact, you can find it at cdc.gov, and we'll post those links in the notes. But interestingly enough, they skip one that's really significant and, and one I'm going to share that actually places uh, the cause of, places it as the third, if not possibly the fourth leading cause of death in the United States and probably worldwide. But again, you don't find it on the statistics list at the CDC. I just want to go over this list and we'll go back to, uh, we're going to follow up this podcast on heart disease and, and what what is heart disease. Let's get into that. Uh, statistically, heart disease is number one. Cancer is number two. And here is the interesting part. Uh, of course, since uh, COVID came about in the last uh, couple of years, it's taken third place as the most common cause of death in the U.S. Or ironic to me that uh, a little bit that, you know, we shut down the country. Being the third leading cause, I, I guess I would place that as significant, but to, and, and because it was contagious and passed and caused death more quickly than, or apparently more quickly than these other diseases do. Cancer tends to be slower growing. Heart disease is definitely the, the hiding disease. It, you know, typically, there are not many signs or symptoms until you die <laughs> or you're close to death. So yeah. we'll go more into that. But I wanted to bring up a statistic that uh, the medical community, the drug companies, will not like and do not want you to know about, and that is... This study was conducted in 2016, so okay, it's six years old ones, but back in 2016, a John Hopkins study that their statistics or their analysis of, of the United States showed that over 250,000 people die every year from medical errors. And then it said the numbers could be much higher, as high as 440,000. This was in 2016. They were saying that's possible. If we were to take those numbers and place them on the statistical list, that would place the cause of death as medical error being number three. And if you take, definitely as if you take out COVID, and even with COVID, if it, if it is up at that 440,000 level, then it would place it number three. Uh, so that's a little scary to me that that is quite so high and another reason why I rarely seek medical care unless I'm injured. Oh yeah. They uh, Because uh, lots of accidents, lots of mistakes made and those mistakes lead to lots of death. Let's see, let's go in on this list. Uh, if we place uh, medical error as number four under COVID, which I'll do for now, the next one would be accidents in general, auto accidents, sports accidents, things like that. Roughly 200,000 people die from unintentional injuries each year. Things around the house are common, falling off ladders, falling off the roof. People trip on the curb and fall down and hit their head and die sometimes. That's a significant number. Uh, strokes often are tied back to heart disease, but strokes are typically usually due to a blood clot to the brain, but it uh, is number five. Chronic lower respiratory disease, so lung problems lung disease. And you take those 
accident strokes and, and lung issues, uh, their, their numbers are actually fairly close, uh, over 150,000 each. Alzheimer's <laughs> disease is attributed to about 134,000 deaths a year. Diabetes, 102,000 deaths a year. Then you've got lower on the list, which is more due to bacterial viral infections, is, is um, the flu or influenza and pneumonia. Oftentimes pneumonia is connected to things like influenza. We know pneumonia was a big part of people dying from COVID, secondary infection. Nephritis, kidney disease, is uh, last on this list. About 52,000 people a year die from kidney disease. So wow. those are interesting. As we've quoted in the past, uh, stated by Thomas Edison, which is my favorite quote from him, the doctor of the future will give no medication but will interest his patients in the care of the human frame, diet, and in the cause and prevention of disease. My favorite quote from him. Mm -hmm. One of the things I wanted to go to was an article, and this is the John Hopkins article, the third leading cause of death in the U.S., most doctors don't want you to know about. That's what the article says. It starts out by sharing a story called My Little Angel. It's a sad, sad story, but it's more happens more commonly than we know. My Little Angel is how Christopher Jerry describes his daughter Emily. At just a year and a half old, Emily was diagnosed with a massive abdominal tumor and endured numerous surgeries and rigorous chemotherapy before finally being declared cancer-free. But just to be sure, doctors encouraged Chris and his wife to continue with Emily's last scheduled chemotherapy session, a three-day treatment that would begin on her second birthday. Hmm. On the morning of her final day of treatment, a pharmaceutical technician prepared the intravenous bag, filling it with more than 20 times the recommended dose of sodium chloride. Oh. Within hours, Emily was on life support and declared brain oh. dead. Oh, my gosh. Three days later, she was gone. <gasps> then the article goes on to say, sadly, Emily's case is not unique. According to a recent study by John Hopkins, roughly 250,000 people in the United States, at least 250,000 people, die because of medical mistakes. And this, of course, this article says, making it the third leading cause of death after heart disease and cancer. And this article was written in 2018, discussing the, the article from John Hopkins in 2016. It says other studies report much higher figures, claiming the number of deaths from medical error to be as high as 440,000. The reason for the discrepancy is that physicians, funeral directors, coroners, and medical examiners rarely note on death certificates the human errors and system failures involved. Yet death certificates are what the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention rely on to post statistics for deaths nationwide. The authors of the John Hopkins study, led by Dr. Martin McCary of the John Hopkins University School of Medicine, have appealed to the CDC to change the way in which it collects data from death certificates. To date, no changes have been made. So the system is to blame. This is what we've talked about in the past, how the system is really good at covering up its mistakes so the public never really hears about these things. Question, mm -hmm. Questions, comments about that, Nikki? I mean, how sad for her to be cleared and then a mistake like that. My, I have an aunt, um, wonderful woman who passed away from something similar. Obviously, it wasn't cancer, but 
she was being treated for Crohn's disease, I think, or something. And she was in for um, surgery of some sort that was didn't have to do with that. It was something, or maybe she was being intubated or something, and they like they messed it up, and she died. And it was totally not expected, and it was an, a medical error. And her children were devastated. Um, obviously, we were too, because it was just, you know, a mistake. Somebody just messed up. They didn't know what they were doing. Well, to give the medical community a little credit, I do believe that people in general and start out wanting a good result in the end, right? Uh, obviously, this pharmaceutical technician was not intending to hurt little Emily, but uh, was not. Who knows why that day? I mean, a horrible thing. I would think horrible thing for this person to have to live with for the rest of their life. Yeah. And their subconscious thinking that they killed somebody accidentally. Right. Of course, but uh, still had, had you, you often think when, you know, how often we all make mistakes every day, all day long from one thing to the next. It seems like uh, we're always <laughs> attempting to do it perfectly, but rarely get it right. Uh, and so when you're dealing with life and death situations like things like surgery and and uh, medications, you've got to be on the ball all the time, right? Paying attention to yeah. every little detail because a little mistake can be the end of someone's life. And the devastation is often not to the person who passed away anymore, but it's all the people left and all the issues surrounding that circumstance yeah. that uh, traumatizes us emotionally. You know, yeah, that's like the unexpected, you know. In fact, I was talking to my younger son the other day, and I said, you know, Bryce, life is just that way. We go along, go along, everything seems pretty good for a while, and then something just comes along and slaps us in the face. You know, recognizing that uh, living in anticipation of disaster isn't probably a great way to live, but <laughs> acknowledging that in your mind maybe reduces the surprise a little, ultimately. I, I tend to believe that. That is life. That is life, and unfortunately, you you think that more would be done to try to fix these problems, but uh, yeah. it said in the article that virtually nothing's been done. After recommendations to the CDC, they just ignored it. Why? I think again goes back to CDC, FDA, uh, all these government agencies connected to supposedly out there existing to serve the public are greatly influenced by the pharmaceutical and medical community. And so they cover and hide their stuff the best they can. Because to get that news out there, I mean, if you, knowing that uh, that's the third, at least the fourth leading cause of death in the United States, does that make you a little more concerned about uh, when you go into a hospital or going to have a surgery or going to have some form of significant treatment that uh, you, you maybe take a second look. Uh, here in this article it says what patients can do to protect themselves. Any comments before I share what's said here about that? Go ahead. According to Dr. John James, a patient safety advocate and author of A Sea of Broken Hearts, patient rights is a dangerous, profit-driven healthcare system. Patients need to take charge. There needs to be a balance between the provider community and the patients. It is not an even relationship at all. In 2002, James lost his 19-year-old son after he collapsed while running. He had been diagnosed with a heart arrhythmia by a cardiologist a few weeks prior and was released from the hospital with instructions not to drive for 24 hours. 
His death certificate said he died of a heart arrhythmia, but my son really died as a result of ununiformed, careless, and unethical care by cardiologists. He explained, if you have a patient with heart arrhythmias of a certain level and low potassium, you need to replace the potassium. And they did not. And they didn't tell him he shouldn't go back to running. Communication errors, he said, are unfortunately very common. Eating that a lot with my mother now at 89 and seeing the doctors a lot. Uh, mm. My brother tells me he often, you know, one doctor doesn't tell the other doctor about what's going on and this and that. And that leads to, it has led to issues with her. In 2014, James retired early to devote his life to improving patient safety. His mission, to teach people how to empower patients. He has created a Bill of Rights, which he's been publishing to become federal law. Yet so far, he said his letters to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services have gone unanswered. McCary has a lot of courage, says James. A lot of the retired doctors will tell you it's a mess and it's terrible. But for a young physician to come out and say what he did, that's pretty bold. James's site, Patient Safety America, lists the three levels in which patients should protect themselves. These include being a wise consumer of health care by demanding quality, cost-effective care for yourself and those you love, by participating in patient safety leadership through boards, panels, and commissions that implement policy and laws, and by pushing for laws that favor safety care, transparency, and accountability. Too often the healthcare system is silent and silence the people around it. You know, I, I know a couple medical doctors here in, uh, in the area in which I live. One works in a, an emergency care center and the other in an emergency room of a hospital. And they say their hands are tied. They, they have protocols given to them and that's exactly what they can do. They have to pro the, follow those protocols and the drugs they prescribe and the treatment they provide and they're not allowed to be very flexible in the way they do things. One might say, well, that's what helps support the safety for patients. And that may be partially true. But again, there are times when they see that something else might work better and are not allowed to comment on those things or provide that care that, you know, that they think because of their experience may be better than what the hospital or center has uh, set in place no flexibility thinking, you say why would that be um no i was thinking what about the the guy who died while he was running he was 19 you said mm -hmm. i was just thinking like he had low potassium you said yeah and that's a common cause of uh, arrhythmia is something i was going to mention when we were talking about heart health but uh, is that something that can be supplemented oh yeah yeah you just take a potassium I mean, supplement they yeah. or, or go eat foods high in potassium you know, even though he, he may have been a runner, who, who knows what his diet was like. And a lot of people don't understand, especially kids, that diet and uh, exercise are significant. You know, they grow up eating crap and, and they just keep eating the crap. Eating mm -hmm. foods high in sugar, high in salt, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. In fact, we talked about that when talking about the natural cancer diet. That's one of the things I believe, I don't know if I mentioned that actually last week, that uh, one of the significant add-ins to the Gershon cancer treatments are potassium. One of the causes of the cells mutating, at least their theory, is that the, there's just way too much salt in the system, not enough potassium, and that imbalance can be part of what is causing those cells to mutate. So they 
uh, increase the potassium levels significantly in, in the cancer care or the cancer treatment. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I take potassium supplements along with eating foods that are higher in potassium simply because of that. Now, I don't take large amounts of it, but I, I'll you know make sure a couple of times a week I'll take a few potassium pills. We'll, we'll talk a, probably a little bit more about that when we get into the heart, mm-hmm. heart, heart uh, episodes. I just wanted to mention here briefly, too, about some of the information given in this article. Recommendations to you as a patient when you go into a hospital or, you know, talking to your doctor that's talking about wanting to do some form of surgery. I think the last time I was actually in a hospital for services at a hospital when I was seven or eight years old when I had my tonsils out. Oh, wow. Uh, After my motorcycle crash back in 2000 back hurt severely didn't the ambulance came got in the ambulance and i sat there and i'm like i'm in a lot of pain but i'm not going to the hospital and i got out of the ambulance (laughs) and then then i went over this is kind of how probably should have just gone to the hospital and let them do the diagnostic test back then if i think back on it now it's what i would have done and in fact an attorney will tell you to always go to the hospital after an auto accident because mm. uh, it, it, everything gets documented especially if the accident wasn't your fault mm. so that they have more documentation when uh, trying to help you with your recovery uh, from the insurance companies and always call the police and get a report too so don't fail to do those things off topic but anyway mm. part of the reason i am the way i'm in is as I've talked about before, because of my grandmother and why she was the way she was is because of this exact thing. She had relatives who went in the hospital and never came out, and they were in there mm-hmm. for things that uh, shouldn't have been life-threatening. And so here are three things recommended uh, by uh, Dr. Martin McCary. He says, uh, ask questions. Gain as much insight as you can from your healthcare provider ask about the benefits, side effects, and disadvantages of a recommended medication or procedure. Use social media to learn more about the patient's own condition, as well as those medications and procedures for which they are prescribed. So if you've been diagnosed with a problem from your medical doctor, look it up, run a search. If he's prescribed a certain medication, you should, so easy to just Google these days, just Google what what you've been diagnosed with, Google what you've been prescribed, uh, whatever that might be, because there's people, lots of other people out there that have posted information. Uh, Again, are you going to trust everything you read? Well, I would say not necessarily, but you should at least look and see what people are saying, see what others have found. Always Mm -hmm. get, number two, always get a second opinion. And I Mm -hmm. would say even a third and a fourth in a very serious uh, health condition, such as cancer or heart disease, those kinds of things because you're going to find different doctors say different things and give you different advice and you've got to really get to, I, I always try to at least get or recommend to people that they get at least two opinions that are the same so if you go to one and he gives you one go to another if it's different go to a third make sure you're at least seeing two people saying you need the same type of care and so on and so forth uh, bring along an advocate Sometimes it's hard to process all the information by yourself. Bring a family member or a friend to your appointment. Someone who can understand the information and suggestions given and ask questions. Irene Karina, president and founder of the PURSE Center for Patient Safety, Education and Advocacy, based in Wada, New York, urges both the patient and their advocate to be respectful but assertive. 
in seeking answers to the questions they may have. In some cases, she recommends a design medication manager to be a safety check on the advice and care provider and the care the provider gives. There are advocacy agencies out there apparently uh, such as this where you could contact them probably via email, ask questions about your conditions, talk about what you've been prescribed and, and see if they agree with your uh, what your doctor's recommended. We must always consider and unfortunately it's part of what drives our country and economy and that's capitalism. Capitalism is alive and well in our in our medical system, though we've tried to move to a government-run subsidized medical system that exists throughout the world, neither system works well. You know, competition in a system breeds uh, better care. I really believe that. Mm -hmm. Yet, it also breeds greed and, and the, you know, if I'm a surgeon and I make my money off doing surgeries and I want more and more money, which is most the case, we look at all the wonderful things money can buy us and we all crave and want to do and have those things, or at least many do, and so do they Do they recommend a surgery when it's unnecessary? Does a dentist recommend dental care when it's unnecessary? Does a chiropractor recommend chiropractic care when it's unnecessary? Go on and on and list them all. Foot surgeons, back surgeons, neurosurgeons, on and on and on. You know, are far more gallbladders cut out each year because there's money to be made on that surgery and the medical community sees your gallbladder is unnecessary? Yes, there are. There are ways to keep that gallbladder. Again and again and again, this thing, these things go on throughout our society all the time. Drugs are prescribed unnecessarily. Surgeries are performed as unnecessarily. Deaths occur because of these things, uh, which were unnecessary. So it, it's a mess. And uh, part of the reason we're doing this podcast is to educate people so that they understand not only the, the alternative methods for treatment, but uh, how to avoid being harmed when you do follow the medical model. Natural health care providers have the least expensive insurance in the world, especially in the United States. Why? Because it's very rare that someone ends up dying or is injured from the care provided by a natural health care professional. Yeah, interesting. Okay, well that was super interesting and eye-opening. I mean looking at all the different ways that people die. We're all going to do it. We can't stop it, but we want to delay it as long as possible. But like you said, like the natural health care providers, you're not going to necessarily have a lot of medical error because not a lot of side effects, right? Other than positive ones when you incorporate healthy living. Yes, I would say the care either doesn't work, but it doesn't make you worse. Yeah. Whereas it can't the, hurt you, is what they say, right? Yeah, and, and a lot of things that occur in a hospital... Why do people go to hospitals? Why do people go to the medical doctors? I mean, usually you see the medical doctor initially because you've got a cold or the flu or you're not feeling well, so you go in for the basic things. Maybe you run blood tests or maybe you just walk in and they see your symptoms and hand you a prescription and you go on and about your day. But if you're having more significant symptoms, you go in and they, they do blood work, they order tests, and they discover you have a more serious condition. Well, of course you automatically go, oh, that's a serious condition. The only one that can treat a serious condition is a medical doctor. And that's mm -hmm. what you're taught from the time you're a small child. And that's what our society teaches. The best mm -hmm. form of health care is with the medical doctor. Therefore, you should seek his or her help first because they're the ones who know how to deal with whatever it is you might have. The problem is that their form of care is dangerous. You know, whenever you cut open the body, 
or whenever you put in a medication that has significant potential side effects, you're also putting your life at risk. So you may currently have a life-threatening condition, and the argument might be made, well, if you already have a life, potentially life-threatening condition, going and doing something that is also life-threatening that might fix your problem and prolong your life a little longer is worth the risk. Well, that's for a person to decide. Oftentimes you go see a medical doctor and they're talking into whatever it is they think you need and not always discussing the risks involved or they downplay them. Why? Because they make money by getting you in and doing those surgeries, you know. How do you learn to be a surgeon? Doing surgeries. How do you keep your income going? By doing more surgeries. They claim, well, that number goes down when you have governmental health care and when you're trying to cut costs. And, you know, there is, I believe, some improvement there, but uh, to the extreme. For instance, Kaiser, one of the worst insurance companies in the world, I believe, or in the United States anyway, because had family members using their system. And, and of course, they have a, a, a system where the doctors paid a salary and they try to uh, reduce the number of surgeries because it re then reduces their costs and only do them when they're necessary. However, the problem there is, is you get to a point to now you're not doing what might have helped somebody. Coin gets flipped over and now you're totally, <laughs> now you're gone to the extreme the other side, basically what I'm saying. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for letting us know about the top 11 leading causes of death in the United States. I learned definitely about bringing an advocate along if I ever have questions or am I I'm meeting to ask questions because it's a lot of information all at once and to have an extra set of ears and then also to get a second, third or fourth opinion if it's something major. That um, I think that's really great advice. Yeah. But to give it, we just need to be more intelligent. We need to, to not just take everything at face value because there's too many people in our society today trying to take advantage of us. Even in simple things, even in simple things. I, I don't, even when I go to the dentist today, I don't because I was many years ago taken advantage of the, by a dentist, by more than one. I've talked about that in previous podcasts. And so even then I considered, do I really need that root canal? Do I really need that crown? Do I really need, you know, that tooth pole? Are there alternatives? Most of the time, yes, there are. So we go on and on and on about all the different things that are done in our society where there are better natural alternatives, and we will cover those things in future podcasts. Well, anything else before we wrap up, Dr. Kell? Nope. Next one we're going to is on the heart, and thanks so much for listening, everybody. Yes, thanks for listening, everyone, and we will see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. For questions or comments, please email us at healthtalkwithdrkell at gmail.com. That's D-R-K-E-L-L at gmail.com. You'll find the lowest prices on standard process whole food supplements at holistichealth.standardprocess.com. As always, we recommend you seek nutritional advice from a qualified healthcare professional before starting a supplement program. And... For natural and organic health and hygiene products, see our sponsor's website at oceanbaynaturals.com. While we make every effort to broadcast correct information, we are still learning. We will double check all facts, but realize that medicine is a constantly changing science and art. One doctor may have a different way of doing things from another. We are simply presenting our views on how to live a healthy lifestyle that will be as evidence-based as possible. We welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. We take no money from drug or device companies. 
By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Kel Fullerton or any guests or any contributors to the podcast or any employees, associates, or affiliates of Dr. Kel Fullerton be responsible for damages arising from use of this podcast. This blog should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis of expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on this podcast. Our website, blog, and podcasts are all HIPAA compliant. While you may give your email address to subscribe to the website posts or to post information on the website blog, we will never share your email address or contact information with any third parties without your explicit permission. The contents of Health Talk with Dr. Kell podcast and the show notes are all copyrighted. All blog posts, podcasts, and show notes that are distributed to the public for free can be redistributed via hard copy or electronic copy for free only if Health Talk with Dr. Kell is included as the acknowledged author within the actual media that is being redistributed. The Health Talk with Dr. Kell podcast is a production of The Orange Stack with executive producers Dr. Kell Fullerton and Eric Hammond and hosts Nikki Sterling.